Welcome to Off The Record. I'm your host, Marika Day, dietitian, nutritionist, recovering perfectionist, and founder of Fueled by Marika Day. Join me here each week as we delve into what it really means to be a healthy and happy human. You'll hear from conversations with experts in their fields to raw and real chats about aspects of health and life that we really don't hear enough about. You'll be left feeling inspired, educated, and empowered to be the best version of you. So sit back, relax, or head on out for your walk, and let's dive on in. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Off The Record. I can't believe it's 2022 still. It's blowing my mind. I feel like it was just yesterday that it was 2019 and only like a few years ago that it was like 2007. So (laughs) this is a bit surreal that we are in 2022. But if you are or have returned to work this week, I feel like a lot of people um, are back at work this week and myself included. Um, Just wanted to say well done for getting back into it straight away and I hope that you did enjoy some time to relax and rest over the Christmas New Year period and if not I hope that you do have some time in the coming weeks and months to be able to do so because it is really really important that we do all take time to sort of switch off from our professional lives and really focus on other things other than, you know, what we achieve in terms of success and career and those sorts of things, because there is so much more to life than just working. So if we are privileged enough to be able to sort of step away from work a little bit, then I strongly recommend that being one of your goals for 2022 is to, um, schedule in holidays in advance and even if we can't you know plan overseas at this point in time or you know we're not really entirely sure what the year might look like um, at least blocking out some time from work as often as you can and you need to um, for your own mental sanity this year so let's make that a goal I'm saying this because let's like myself included let's make that a goal for this year Um, so we don't burn the hell out. I think the last few years we haven't really been able to even do that sort of thing, like, you know, block off time because we've just had so much uncertainty in terms of, you know, can we go anywhere or do anything? Um, so I think that that's a really good thing to plan for coming into this year is we should be able to, at least within Australia travel. So, Um, or even just staying at home and having that time to switch off and relax and rest is so, so important. So before we even get into the podcast, that's my message for um, you guys for this year ahead. Um, But this episode is actually all about how to, I guess, cultivate a healthy relationship with food in the new year and going forward. So setting a goal around improving your relationship with food for this year, which I think is a really good goal to set when it comes to New Year's resolutions. And I know, you know, we're a little bit past New Year's resolutions and you might have set some already and you might have broken some already. And, you know, I'm personally not a massive New Year's resolution person. I think New Year's for a lot of people, and I would say me more so in the past, is a really good time to reflect. So to sit back and think about the year that was, and I guess what you want to do differently coming into the new year. So I don't think there's anything wrong with having New Year's resolutions where you are spending that time and sitting reflecting, particularly if it's not something that you do frequently throughout the year. 
I personally would encourage you to be actually doing that sort of thing more frequently. So whether it's on a daily, weekly, monthly, bi-monthly, you know, whatever it is that works for your lifestyle, I think the more frequently that we can sort of stop and reflect on, you know, where we're where we've been, where we're going, what we want to do, where we're aligning with, I guess, what's true to us, our values, um, and where we're not so much aligning with that so that we can constantly be readjusting rather than just waiting till the new year to readjust and to sort of steer our ship back um, more in alignment with our values or our goals that we might be working towards. So that's sort of my approach to new year's resolutions as a whole but i think specifically new year's resolutions carry with them a lot of pressure and weight (laughs) weight is probably the right word here is they carry a lot of pressure and weight around um the way we look and our health and i wouldn't even say so much our health because i'm not actually sure that health is really a um I guess, a driving force for either a lot of people or a lot of companies that are targeting you at this time and throughout the month of January as well. And I think it's a good time for this episode because I think it's a good time to sort of stop and reflect on maybe some goals that you have already sort of set to yourself um, in the new year or some that you are thinking of beginning over the coming weeks and really thinking about, you know, are they the right goals for you? Are they the ones that you know that if you are working towards them, not necessarily achieving them, but working towards them, that you are going to feel like that you are doing the right thing for you like personally. And I I don't mean like to make your ego feel better that you're, you know, losing weight or whatever it is to try and fit into a societal like expectation of how we look. It's like, does this really feel good for the direction that I want my life to go in? Um, and sometimes when you are working on, you know, really hard projects. So like when I was working on, um, fueled all throughout last year and getting ready for launch, a lot of that was stuff that was so far out of my comfort zone that it was so challenging and so stressful, but I knew that it was driving me towards something where I really did want to be going. And it was really aligned with my values and where I saw my life going. So I don't think that, you know, we should be expecting everything to be easy because that's not the case. But I think we really need to make sure that it is, particularly if it's something that's hard, that it is in alignment with our values. So before we go into the stuff around building a healthy relationship with food and why that is obviously so important and why it should be your goal this year, um, if it is not already something that you feel like that you are working towards and, um, I guess, uh, yeah, striving towards, then I think the first point to start off is just discussing values on, I guess, a bit of a higher level. Um, because I think that this was something when I first um, heard about it, that it was something that took me a long time to really grasp the concept. And I think if you've never really thought about what your values are, and even if you have, um, spending time you know, each month or each week or each year, if that's, you know, the only time that you're doing this sort of reflection is a really good thing because your values also might change over time. But also I found that over the years that I've been thinking about values, I've been able to better understand, I guess, what my values are. And I don't think that they've necessarily changed much with time, but I think with time I've become much more clear on what they are. So if you've never really thought about what your values are, I think now is a really great time to start thinking about that, regardless of what day, week you're listening to this or what age you are or anything. 
now is always a good time to start thinking about what you value in life because that is something that I think that for me really defines success. Like success to me, the def sorry, the definition of success to me is living a life that is in alignment with my values. And so that really then keeps me, I guess, on track with what I'm doing and is almost like a guiding light throughout my life that I can sort of come back to these core values and go, okay, does this fit with that? And that helps me like guide sort of answers to questions that come up in my life and decisions that I need to make when I know what those values are. Um, And like I said, I don't think that the first time or even the fifth time that you think about your values, you need to be super clear on them. I think it is a really evolving process. Um, But just to explain values a little bit. So values are like the, the things that you believe are super important in the way that you live. Um, they, they determine or they should determine your priorities and are really the measures that you use to tell if your life is, I guess, turning out the way that you want it to. So it really, I guess, like I said, it guides your life and guides whether you feel that you are on track with your life or not. And that's why I think it's really important to, when it comes to values, not be putting them around things that I guess are really, what's the word? I feel like values should be really like fluid terms that you're not like you don't ever achieve a value. They're things that you are constantly working towards and constantly improving and constantly living towards and living because of. Um, And I'll give you some examples of values. But I think that just starting to think about this is a really good starting point. So things that can help you identify what you value in life is things that I guess bring you fulfillment um, or pride or joy um, and things that I guess make leave you feeling satisfied and leaving you feeling that you are doing the work that you feel you should be doing. And when I use the word work there, I don't mean like career work. I mean like day-to-day, just things that you're doing. Um, so some examples of like terms that you could use for values are things like challenge or fun or generosity or kindness, fairness, health. Um, just trying to think of some of the top of my head, creativity, curiosity. Um, so there's lots of different terms that you could use. And there's, there's, there's seriously hundreds of thousands of different things that you could use as your values. But what I have found most helpful is bringing, and I think I heard this from Bruno Brown. I think um, the thing that would be most helpful for me is identifying the two core values. Now this took me so long to do because, you know, you see these lists of values when you Google values and you're like, oh, well, yeah, that and that and that and that. And you you have so many of them that you're like, oh yeah, well, that's really important to me. And that is, and financial stability and independence and security and all of these things are, you're like, yeah, well, that's important. That's important. And it's really hard to narrow them down. And so for me, it started off by having a relatively big list of values. Um, And then over time, and when I say over time, I mean like over a period of like two years, I eventually got to a point where I found that everything could fit under two core values. So my two core values are courage and balance. And it took me a while to sort of come down to these two core values. And like, I'm talking like a couple of years. (laughs) 
And um, the way that I sort of did it is started out by listing all of the things that I sort of felt like that aligned with me from, you know, just Googling what are values and then sort of thinking about how I can sort of bunch them together into two core ones. Because the reason why I find two core values um, so useful is that it's so easy to remember on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, if you are at work and you're presented with a challenge or if you're at home and your kids are presenting you with a challenge, um, it's really easy to remember, okay, courage and balance, courage and balance. Like how how am I going to show up today with courage? How am I going to show up today with balance? How am I going to show up to this situation with courage? How am I going to show up with to this situation with balance? Whereas if you've got a list of 15 different you know values that you're working towards, then it's really hard for you to sort of go, oh, what what was what was it again? Like what what am I what am I prioritizing? Um, and underneath those two core values for me, I've sort of got examples, and I strongly recommend doing this. And obviously, this is a process that you, like I said, you can do over months or years. Um, but definitely start now um, is to list under those things, examples of, I guess, situations or circumstances that um, guide those values. So an example for me would be underneath balance. I've got like, you know, to be able to um, live a life that is balanced in terms of work and social and family and um, those sorts of things. And then also to have a balanced approach to my health and well-being. So prioritizing that, but obviously in a balanced manner. Um, then under courage, it's about like having the courage to stand up for what I believe is important in my professional work and to um, do the work that might be hard and, you know, to stand up when I feel that I'm being confronted on something that is really true to me. So I've kind of got little examples of um, different ways that that sort of plays out under each of them. And that's something that I really would recommend you doing. I know this is a little bit off track from um, the, your relationship with food. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not even knowing what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, it's a little bit off track from your relationship with food. But at the same time, it's not because when you work these things out, honestly, your life actually does get a lot easier because you stop focusing as much on like how your body looks or, you know, what, how much sugar is in a bar of chocolate. Like, because you're like, who cares? Like my values are balance and courage. What has this got to do with balance or courage? Like balance is doing the things that I feel like doing and knowing that I'm balancing that out with, you know, having a healthy routine in other areas of my life. So I think it is important when it comes to any goal to be able to have values that really drive your life. Okay, on to healthy relationship with food. First and foremost, being sort of nearly mid-January now, um, I want you to be aware of, and I'm sure you probably already are aware, but I want you to be aware of the messages that you are receiving at this point in time in obviously the year. One of the things that really blew me away when I first heard this statistic, and I don't actually know the exact statistic, so it's not going to, don't quote me on this, but most companies in the health and fitness space or health and well-being space spend a significant portion of their marketing budget during the month of January. So your Facebook, your Instagram, your Google, your everything right now is just going bonkers with health and fitness ads. And I really, I guess I want to drive that point home because a lot of health and fitness ads and a lot of um, companies use shame 
to sell their product. And that is something that I am, again, coming back to my core value of courage, I am saying that I'm, one of my core values is not, sorry, as part of one of my core values being courage is that with Fueled, for example, I will never use shame in any way, shape or form to sell a product because I find that so disgusting. But unfortunately, a lot of other companies don't have those values. Anyway, um, off topic. What I was saying is a lot of these companies will use shame to um, make you feel bad about yourself so that they you can then purchase their product. So what they're doing is they're making you feel guilty for what you've eaten over the Christmas period or what you've drunk over the Christmas period, or they're making you feel bad about the way that your body feels or looks or what size you are or how fit you are. And it's this negative kind of marketing, like you feel like shit, therefore we can make you feel better, give us money. And I just, I just think that it's so cruel to target people who are so vulnerable in that space and just to, to mislead them because a lot of the time, and I'm not saying all of the time because there is amazing companies out there. Yeah, a lot of the time it's misleading because they're selling you a... I guess a goal that is unachievable, unattainable, or if it is achievable and attainable, that it's at a significant cost, either it be financially or psychologically or to your actual health as well. So um, I, I think it's important to be aware of the market at this point in time so that you can really make informed decisions and value-based decisions about what you are going to choose when it comes to um you know, setting goals around health and fitness, because it's really important, I think, to to know that. So the first thing about having a healthy relationship with food, I think, is it's important to know that for a lot of people that it's not really like an end point. Like, it's not like, yes, I've achieved that. And it might happen, but I think that it's a much more healthy way to look at developing your relationship with food over time, um, because it really... I guess, removes that timeline and pressure and expectation that you need to have achieved it tomorrow. Um, So that is your first and foremost thing to do when you are considering um, this year and building a healthier relationship with food is that don't expect you to be at a certain point, you know, next week, next month, next year, just learn and evolve as you move through this relationship so that you can, I guess, remove the pressure and expectations that it's something that you achieve. So why it's really important to improve your relationship with food is because it actually does improve your overall health, both physically, mentally, and socially as well. Because when you have a healthy relationship with food, you are less likely to engage in like dieting behaviors, which are known to be unhealthy. You are less likely to develop an eating disorder, whether it be something like anorexia, nervosa, or binge eating disorder or bulimia. Um, and you are more likely to you know, want to enjoy social situations and engage with your friends and family um, over meals and those sorts of things. So it really does have a pretty profound impact on your health. And I think that, again, at a time when people are considering health goals, that we do need to consider building a healthy relationship with food as a really important health goal because it sets the foundation for a lot of other aspects of health. 
what actually is a healthy relationship with food? Well, this is something that in the field program that we are actually helping you to uh, discover because I personally believe that a healthy relationship with food is somewhat different from person to person. But at its core, I think a healthy relationship with food allows you to have freedom around food so that you're not spending hours and hours each day thinking about what you're going to eat or what you have eaten and planning and all of that sort of stuff around food um, and also removes a lot of the shame and guilt around food as well. So I think they're sort of the two key factors that I would put into a healthy relationship with food is that food has no moral value. Like you're not a good or a bad person for choosing anything over anything else. Um, and there's no shame or guilt associated with that. And you do feel like that you've got that freedom from food so that you're not thinking about it all day, every day. So for me, a healthy relationship with food is one where I don't beat myself up, you know, about eating anything at all. You know, if I want to have something that, you know, somebody else might label as bad that I don't label that as bad. And I don't think that I'm a bad person or have made a bad choice for having that. Um, the other thing for me is to be able to enjoy flexibility with food. So having, aside from gluten as a celiac, I have a variety of meals and foods in my life and not feeling that I'm bound by structure with my food. So that's something that even I in the past have really been bound by is, you know, having really similar meals every day just because routine and also feeling like, you know, they're the healthy things to have. And that helps me get in this many nutrients and this many carbs and this many this and everything. But for me now, a healthy relationship, and again, this is, I'm talking about me personally, just as an example for you guys to help you define a healthy relationship with food for you. Um, for me, it really does mean having freedom and flexibility in my meals and in my week and in my food choices. Um, and again, like I said before, without the guilt and the shame. So there's no there's no beating myself up for choosing anything. And let's say, for example, I choose a food and I'm like, I don't feel good after having it or I have an amount of food and I don't feel good after having it. So let's say, you know, I go out to dinner and they have this incredible, like insane gluten-free menu and I eat way too much and I feel seriously unwell then it's not about feeling guilty. It's about going, oh my God, that was an insane meal. That tasted so good. I definitely overate. I feel like crap because I overate. And either there's two ways that I would think about it is like YOLO, like <laughs> it doesn't matter that I feel crap and I'm, I'm enjoying this because it was so good. Or it's, you know what, I'd actually probably feel better if I didn't eat as much next time. Like, you know, I might not get three starters and a meal and a dessert. I might just go like meal and dessert. Um, and again, that's where I think this individual sort of flexibility comes into it because what you decide is um, flexible for you might be different to what I decide is flexible for me. And I don't think that that defines a healthy relationship with food. I think for each individual, it needs to be considered that what is freedom for that person. Now, a lot of people will say that like having a healthy relationship with food is like, you know, trusting your hunger and honoring your fullness and, you know, all of those sort of mindful eating practices, which I think do play a role, but I don't think define a healthy relationship with food. And the reason why is that example that I just gave before is that 
I think part of having a healthy relationship with food is actually acknowledging that sometimes you will overeat. Sometimes you will undereat and you'll go starving and you'll be like, oh my God, shit, I need to eat food ASAP. Like I'm starving. Or sometimes it might be that food is disappointing and you know, you might be really looking forward to something and, you know, you're craving a pizza or whatever it is. And then you get it and you're like, oh, that was really average. And I think that all encompasses a healthy relationship with food because it's like a healthy relationship, you know, with your partner. It's, it's not doesn't mean that it's going to be great all of the time. It means that there is, I guess, a stability and security underlying it that is not bound by guilt and shame. Um, and that you feel safe and comfortable with the other person or you feel safe and comfortable with food. In terms of steps to then actually achieve this healthy relationship with food, which like I said, is very evolving and dynamic and I don't think is like a uh, a point in time that you exactly achieve. And if it is, then it's it's not worth focusing on that. It's focusing on the journey per se. But I guess steps that move you into that journey, journey, move you into that journey and sort of help you moving along that journey is firstly to start to think about what does a healthy relationship with food look like to you. And this is where it might be um, a cool idea to sort of go back to your values. And if you've written those down in that sort of format that I described earlier, then doing a similar thing with a healthy relationship with food. So actually giving like circumstances and situations where you could write down, okay, if I had a healthy relationship with food, what would I do in this circumstance or this situation? And, you know, these things might be really unachievable to you right now. And and that's fine, I think, at this point in time, because, you know, this is the things that we're working towards. They're not things that you're expected to do here and now. They're, they're I guess, our guiding lights. Is, um, guiding light? Is that the right word? Yeah. Um, they're the things that we're sort of working, helping steer our ship. So if you feel like when you write that down, be like, oh, my God, I could never not feel guilty about that right now. That's okay. We're writing these down as our, yeah, our captain of the ship that is going to drive us to that direction. But also one step, I guess, before that is even to think about why do you want a healthy relationship with food? And I think that this is probably one of the more powerful questions that you can ask yourself, because this is what really will, I guess, get you unstuck when you feel stuck. And this is what will probably tie in with your values. So for example, for me, this really falls in with my value of balance is that I want to live a life that is balanced in nature. I don't want to live a restrictive life. I don't want to live like a super disciplined life when it comes to food and enjoyment and pleasure. I want to be able to experience these things. Um, So tying them back in either with your core values or your why as to why it's important to you. And some examples here might be for, like I said, a core value of balance, or it might be more so driven externally. So things like, you know, wanting to, um, foster a healthy relationship with food so that then you can model that to your children. Or it might be that um, you've struggled with your relationship with food and that you want to have that freedom around food so that you can enjoy your life a bit more. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a core value driven thing. Um, But if it does, it obviously ties in really nicely. The next thing that you can do to help improve your relationship with food is stop the stupid diets. I was going to swear there, but I decided not to. Um, Diets 
like seriously muck up your relationship with food because what is happening is that when you go on a diet where somebody is telling you what to eat, what not to eat, um, and this is again why I created Fueled is because I'm just so sick of people being told exactly what to eat, exactly when to eat, exactly how much to eat. It's like, no, 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 no. We need to be able to trust ourselves to make these decisions. And when we take away that ability for the person to make that decision, we are making that person distrust themselves. Um, And I think that's a really damaging thing because if you cannot even trust yourself to know how hungry you are or how thirsty you are, like, you know, your bodily signals, if you're relying on somebody else to tell you what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat, then that shows a real level of distrust to your body. Now, if you do have that at that moment, at this point in time, like if you're somebody who is sitting there going, hell yeah, like I don't trust my body, that's not something that's permanent. You can absolutely change that and that it takes the time again, but it is something that you can work towards improving and getting to a point that you really do trust yourself and you trust your decisions that you're making. The only reason that you don't trust yourself is because companies and social media and people and diet culture has told you that in order for you to fit in in society that you must follow this arbitrary set of rules that dictate when you eat and what you eat and it's really important when you're improving your relationship with food that you really do I guess throw out those diet culture rules because you cannot like and I'm gonna blanket statement say this you cannot be engaging in diet culture and have a healthy relationship with food. They are two polar opposites, like opposite ends of the spectrum. So I think it's really important that, you know, that you're not just sitting there going, oh, okay, one last diet, you know, I'll just get the weight off this time and I'll just do this one crash diet and then I'll work on my healthy relationship with food. It's really important that you do start working on that healthy relationship with food first and now. And if something, if weight is something that is a major health concern for you and that is something that you really do want to work on, I personally believe that working on your relationship with food is again the number one step because if you don't have a strong relationship with food, then any, I guess, way to, um, if you're working on losing fat, um, then you're going to be approaching it from a diet culture manner. And that is not sustainable. It's not healthy and is likely going to end in weight regain or just you being incredibly unhappy and restrictive or even disordered in your eating. So to break that step down a little bit further, one of the things that I strongly encourage you to work on is removing that moral value from food. So foods are not good or bad. There is certainly foods that are more nutrient dense and there are foods that are less nutrient dense, but that does not make a food good or bad and it does not make you good or bad for having them or having, you know, one or the other. Um, Because I, I hear a lot of people all the time saying, oh, I was so bad with my diet. I was so bad. You know, I ate this. I was so bad. Um, or I've been really good today. It's like, it's food. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't make you good or bad. And it's the food itself is not good or bad. Um, it's all food serves a purpose. And I would say that in terms of there is no food on this planet that is like an actual food. Like it's not like dirt or something, but there's no food that doesn't provide you with some level of value. So be it like 
pleasure and enjoyment, be it calories, be it sugar so that you can function if you need to, um, be it nutrients. So like micronutrients or um, fats or carbohydrates, you know, there's, there's so many ways to think about the value of food rather than just thinking that the highest like nutritional value food is the good one and everything else is just shit. Um, that's not the way to think about food. And the way to actually do that is to put in the hard work psychologically. So it's challenging every time you hear your brain barking up and saying, oh, I did this bad or that was bad or this was good or I had a good day is actually challenging it. And I strongly recommend writing down. So, for example, if you get to the end of the day or actually probably better off doing it throughout the day is whenever you have these thoughts of, I ate this, which was bad, or I am bad because I ate that, or I am good because I ate that. Writing these things down and actually then at the end of the day, going through and sort of neutralizing those thoughts. You don't need to um, sort of provide the opposite. You may want to for some of them, but I think neutralizing is the key here. So you might write, for example, oh, I had such a good day because I didn't have any chocolate and I didn't do this and didn't do that. And I went to the gym and blah, blah, blah. Instead, you might write, I had a good day because I did the things that felt good to me or um, writing down something like my food choices don't determine whether my day was good or bad. Um, and just having that neutral statement there or thinking about your day being good because of other reasons other than the foods that you chose. So my final step to helping you improve your relationship with food is something that you're probably not going to be surprised to hear me say is to actually feel your body. And again, this is why Fueled was created to help you fuel your body, because I think as a society, we are just so driven by restriction and trying to achieve the lowest calorie diet possible and trying to eat the least possible. And it's something that I don't think particularly as a female, again, I, I can't speak for a male because I'm not a male, but as a female, it's there's this pressure that you should be eating less, like all of the time. I, and I, I don't even know, there's no there's no one that's saying that. There's no one that's sort of being like, oh, you, you, you need to be small, you need to eat less. And, and sometimes there is for some people, but for me personally, you know, I haven't got anyone in my life saying those things. But still, if I didn't like, consciously sort of choose not to listen to those thoughts and then focus on fueling my body then I still have those thoughts where you know it's like society just teaches us just that women should eat less and that like there's this comparison thing of oh well I ate less than you today and I've noticed that you know among friend groups of mine and everything that it's just this comparison of who can eat the least or who can have the lowest calorie diet and I think that's a really unhealthy thing to be doing and I think again this is where we need to be, I guess, challenging the thoughts that we have around fueling our body because we are going to be very ingrained in like our, our thoughts are going to be ingrained from diet culture that we need to be restricting our bodies and that how can we function on the lowest amount of energy or the lowest amount of calories possible when we really need to flip that and go, how can we fuel our body to the absolute maximum so that we can get the most out of life so that we have the energy to jump out of bed in the morning so that we have the energy to go and do a great gym session or to run or to swim or dance or, you know, whatever it is that you love doing when you have energy um, or play with your children even. 
Um, so I think that that is such a key part of building a healthy relationship with food is moving away from restriction and towards fueling your body for life. You don't have to be an athlete to be able to and to prioritize fueling your body. There's this like misconception that oh, only people who are highly active and who are um, athletes should fuel your body. No, fueling your body is for every single person and every single body. And I want to make that really clear, especially to people who are in larger bodies. And the reason for this is from what I've heard um, from people who I've worked with and through Instagram is that there's this, I guess, what is the right word? Uh, I feel like I'm always asking what is the right word. There's this idea that from people in larger bodies that they are not afforded the privilege of fueling their body or focusing on health even that, you know, to, to be able to fuel your body and to focus on health rather than size or weight is something that is only afforded to people who are already in smaller bodies. So if you are in a larger body, you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, well, that's well and good if you're small um, or if you're already healthy or if you're already fit into society standards of, you know, what's acceptable. I really want to challenge you on that. And I really want to challenge you to think about that you are worthy of fueling your body regardless of your shape and size and fueling your body. I think everyone thinks that fueling your body means gaining fat. It does not mean gaining fat. And even if it does mean gaining fat, living your life with a few extra kilos is so much better than not living your life. Like you don't want to go through your entire life restricting and missing out on Christmases and birthdays and dinners and sweets and those sorts of things that are are so enjoyable in life out of a fear of what people are going to say or think or what you're going to say or think about yourself. Um, And as I said, this is a bigger problem for people who are in larger bodies because there is that real weight stigma there. And there is that shame that those people feel from society that they don't fit in. And I think this is where, again, I said it so many times, but this is where fueled is so important to me is that it's about being inclusive in our ability to um, work towards having health because it's not about achieving a smaller body than working towards being healthy. It's about focusing on health regardless of where you are. It's focusing on fueling your body regardless of your shape and size because that is the thing that will give you your life back. And from what I've seen from, you know, clients that I've worked with over the years is that is the consequence of diet culture and of having a poor relationship with food. The consequence is that you lose your life to this. Um, And I don't mean like physically lose your life, although obviously eating disorders do have a high rate of death. Um, But I more mean that you miss out on enjoying your life and your short time on this earth because of food and because of weight. And it's just like, it's just so depressing. I'm just, (laughs) and again, this is why I'm so passionate about what I do is that I just am heartbroken by the thought that people are, missing out on life because they're so worried about what food to choose or what food not to choose or how much they weigh. So I'm going to leave it at that. 
that episode went a little bit longer than what I was expecting. Um, but I hope that it was valuable to you. What I would suggest if you haven't whilst you're listening is to actually sort of go back and listen to it again or just sort of skip through um, to some of the key points and write down some of the um, yeah, write down some of the key points around the setting your values and then um, the steps around building a healthy relationship with food so that you can actually go away and spend some time for the rest of this week or even over the weekend just thinking about how are you going to approach 2022 when it comes to your relationship with food. Now, if you want to learn more about improving your relationship with food, that is something that obviously Fueled by Marika Day is very across on. Um, and we are launching so very soon. And I'm so excited to share with you more about this platform and all the ways that we are changing, I guess, the culture of nutrition and the way that we think about nutrition and the way that we approach nutrition and that we approach health and making it more inclusive in this way and making it more education driven and mindset and mental health driven. I hate that word mindset and I just used it, but more mental health driven than um, just oh, eat this, don't eat that. Like mm-mm. anyway, point is um, if you pop on over to fueled by then you'll be able to sign up to our mailing list, which will give you a incredible, incredible deal that we'll be launching um, as soon as we launch the program. Uh, and yes, yeah, so you'll first be the first to know about the deal and you'll also be the first to know when we do go live as well as a few other very exciting things. So that's fueled by um, And yeah, very excited for this program to launch. I hope that it is going to be a game changer when it comes to the nutrition and health space and a really just beautiful program to be able to be involved in both me personally and you guys as well. So thank you as always for your support. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, as always, I love it when you share it on social media. Um, Don't forget to tag me at Marika Day and you can also tag Fueled, which is Fueled by Marika Day um, on Instagram. Anyway, I will catch you next week. If you're still on holidays, I hope you're enjoying the downtime. I hope you're relaxing. And if you're back at work, go you. Uh, And yeah, catch you next week.